Finishing our third and final installment of, uh, I, don't, I guess, elders preaching out of the Psalms. Um, uh, I'm going to be in Psalm 103. Uh, so if you want to turn there, um, well, I'll just kind of give an introduction on it. Um, I'm excited about it. There's a number of reasons why I picked this psalm. Um, this is a psalm of David, uh, it's a psalm of praise, celebra- celebrating the abundant love and goodness that the Lord has for his people. Um, it's pretty unique that as, as we work through it, this psalm was written over a thousand years before Jesus, and yet it points to Jesus over and over again, that without the cross, uh, this psalm truly wouldn't be possible. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to start out with just a basic summary. Uh, the psalm's 22 verses, uh, so I would love to go through each and every verse. Uh, well, myself and the nursery workers would love for me to go through each and every verse and preach a three-hour sermon. Um, but uh, I'm not going to do that. So we're going to go through a basic summary, and then I'm going to focus on about six or seven verses and, and draw two points that I think the Lord has for us today. Uh, so let's go ahead and get started in verse 1. Um, the psalm has a great progression. And so let's look at verse, verses 1 and 2. Uh, Let's see. All right, so verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So see right here that David starts out commanding his soul to bless the Lord. And bless means to speak, speak highly of the Lord. Speak well of the Lord and his abundant generosity. Uh, And so I I, I love the way he does that. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more a little bit later. But commanding the soul. Commanding the soul to bless the Lord and to speak well, to speak well of the Lord. Um, and then he, and he, it says, uh, and forget not his benefits. And then what David does is he kind of moves into a personal call for praise. You're going to see a lot of you and your in, uh, in, the next, in verses 3 to 5. So let's look at this personal call to praise. So I'll go back to verse 2 just so it flows. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives your iniquity, who heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like eagles. Um, so again, right there, you see a lot of you and your. He's basically recalling a lot of just general benefits that the, that the Lord has for you personally. Um, so that's the personal call, call to praise. Well, then he transitions into a corporate call for praise. You're going to see a lot of us and we in these next, uh, in, in verses 6 to 19. So this is going to be a corporate call to praise. This is the way that the Lord blesses his saints. The Lord, all the attributes of God that, that, that again, blesses his saints, that blesses God's people. So verse 6, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love, love for, for, towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, 
So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As a man, as for a man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children. To those who to those he to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Um, so a lot there, and we're going to go back to a number of those verses. But again, you see that that, that call for corporate praise, the, the the way that the Lord, all the attributes of, of God that blesses his people. And then you see where he ends. So he starts out with this command for his soul to bless the Lord. Then he moves into this call for personal praise, then the call for corporate praise, and we see where he lands. Verse 20. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all of his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So we see where he ends, the commanding, not only commanding himself to bless the Lord, but to command the angels and creation. So a great progression there. Um, uh, again, a, a lot that we could pull from this, but uh, again, I'm going to hit on two things that I want to talk about tonight that I, think we can, that I think we can learn a lot from Psalm 103. Um, so I guess the first thing, I, don't, I didn't really know how to say this, but you can, if you're taking notes, you can just label it righteousness. Um, but it's, it, it's, what is righteousness? Uh, whenever whenever uh, me, Phil, and, Phil Chase, and I, yeah, Phil Chase and I got together, um, to figure out what we we're going to preach on. Um, I actually wasn't able to go to the initial meeting, um, but we did some collaboration, and we decided to, to preach through the Psalms. and well, Not all of them, but just pick one out and go for it. Uh, and so we, all, we went through a number of them. I'm not going to mention who went through, read through every single Psalm. It wasn't me, and so you got a 50-50 shot. Uh, <laughs> But somebody read through every, every single psalm, but I went through a lot of them. And uh, so as I was going through them, just kind of you know, struggling to find which one to land on, which one I felt like the Lord had for us, um, finally landed on 103. And, but as I was going through them, I noticed that the Lord talks a lot about the righteous. Um, and that, I don't think I'm alone in saying that that can be very intimidating whenever we think about us being the righteous or myself being righteous. Um, you know, just a few, a few uh, verses, for examples, in Psalm thirty-four, fifteen, the eyes of the Lord are, are towards the righteous and his ears towards their cry. Psalm 37, 17, for the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. Uh, and then Psalm 55, 22, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. And so whenever I read those, I have a hard time kind of inserting Adam into everywhere it says righteous. The eyes of the Lord are towards Adam, and here's his, his cry. Uh, Cast your burden on the Lord, Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit Adam to be moved. Uh, you know, in this, at our church, we talk a lot about our identity, that we are saints who were sinners that still struggle with sin. And so I think, I think we kind of have a grasp on our kind of our righteous standing with God, but just that idea that we are righteous people still, I think, sits weird with a lot of us. And whenever we struggle with this ideal idea of righteousness and we don't see ourselves in that category, um, 
a lot of times we don't think we can use a lot of these psalms, and I think we're missing a lot whenever that happens. Uh, so let's look, let's, let's look at um, verse 10 and 103 and see what the psalm has to say about it. All right, so David says in, in, in 103, verse 10, He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. So we see right here that the righteous celebrate the forgiveness of sin, that we, that we can remove the thought that the righteous don't need forgiveness of sins because they don't have any. So righteous doesn't mean sinlessness. Uh, you see right here that the righteous celebrate the forgiveness of sin, and the righteous know that, embrace it. They know that, they embrace it, and they base their lives upon it. And they live their lives because of God's great mercy, that, and that because we have been redeemed by Jesus, and that we couldn't redeem ourselves. And so that's kind of the first sub-point um, within that verse, uh, for, uh, in the righteousness talk, uh, is that the righteous celebrate the forgiveness of sin. They celebrate that aspect of God, how he doesn't deal with us according to our sins and our iniquities. Um, it's something that we truly need to celebrate in. And so we don't stop there. Go to verses 17 and 18. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who, who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, and to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. So even though sinlessness, uh, uh, sinlessness doesn't equal righteousness, the righteous do keep the covenant. Uh, in the Old Testament, you saw you know, a lot of people that were righteous, they kept the commandments. They weren't flawless, or else they wouldn't need the forgiveness of sins. Um, but keeping the commandments was a, a passion and a, and, a, and a general direction of their life. And the same is true today, that the righteous don't live sinless lives, but we are people that are made righteous because of the blood of Jesus. And whenever we... Whenever we hold to that truth. One of the pastors that I was, that I was reading that wrote on this said that the, the righteous are on a basic trajectory towards obedience of God. I like the way he said that, and that the, the righteousness aren't flawless, but they're on a basic trajectory towards obedience to God. And I think whenever we, we get out of that spot to where we're being, whenever we, we're pretty hard on ourselves and, and self-critical, whenever we look over the course of our lives from a big picture standpoint, that's sanctification, that we are on a general trajectory toward obedience to God. And that's something to, 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 to get excited about. Um, so where was I? Uh, so let's see. All right, so yeah, enjoy that reality of being in, a perfect, and being in perfect standing with God because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And whenever we enjoy that reality, that pushes us towards obedience and pushes us towards that overall trajectory. Uh, so that's kind of the first point that I wanted to hit on. I don't know why I jumped out. I was compelled to talk about that so much because the, psalm, the psalms are great. And I think whenever we start reading it, we, we put the, right, the, the label of the righteous on this pedestal that, that that's not us. That's not applied to us. And we do that. We miss a lot of what the psalms have to offer. Um, so that's point one is righteousness. Uh, the second thing that I wanted to hit on and spend the majority of our time on is the idea of self-talk. And then more specifically, the idea, the discipline of preaching to yourself. Uh, Paul Tripp says that no one is more influential in your life than you are because no, no one talks to you more than you do. So we talk to ourselves a lot. You know, we, we are always assessing situations in our, in our, in our minds. Um, we're assessing people. Uh, we're, we're going over to-do lists in our mind, how to handle kids. We're going over directions. Um, we assess ourselves, and that's probably a big one. 
uh, that we could probably do a whole other sermon on, but a lot of the uh, self-judgment, self-talk, uh, again, we're our own self-critic. And that, that, that negative, um, kind of, not life-giving, but life-taking away talk that we do to ourselves a lot, it, it hurts, I think it hurts us more spiritually than we think it does. And so that, that's not so much where I'm going with tonight because I think we could do a whole other sermon on ourselves, but we talk to ourselves a lot. And along with talking to ourselves, we also um, listen to a lot of things. We listen to a lot of sermons. We listen to a lot of podcasts. We listen to audiobooks. We read great uh, info. We read the Bible, which is great. We read uh, different blogs. We read books. And so we're doing all these things, but just, just reading um, and, and reading truth and listening to truth isn't enough. It doesn't quite go the step that I believe that, that it's intended, but we, we need to talk to, we need to preach it to ourselves. You know, are we talking to ourselves in a deep way? Are we taking those sermons and those podcasts and those audiobooks and speaking them to our hearts and our own lives? Because nobody knows you better than you. Um, so only you know how you specifically deal with fear or failure or rejection. Um, so taking those truths that we are hearing and preaching to ourselves, applying them specifically ourselves is such an important discipline that I know I myself miss out on a lot, and I've learned a lot throughout the sermon prep about it. So I think David gives us a good glimpse on how commanding our souls um, helps us pre- preach to ourselves or helps us in our self-talk. And so I, I, I think there's two ways that he does this in this passage. Uh, and the, the first way he does it is to remind yourself of what the Lord has done. To remind ourselves of what the Lord has done. First of all, in our, in our own lives, in our own personal lives, there are so many victories that everybody in this room has experienced in, the, in, in their life. If, again, if you go back and map out your life, again, a lot of us are going through different things right now, so it can get cloudy. But mapping out the victories that the Lord has that he just worked in our life. It's such an important thing. Uh, we prayed about it at the beginning, but the flood. I mean, this is a year. I mean, I know in, in, one, in, in one way it feels like it's been an eternity, and one way it feels like it's, it, was, it was last month. Um, so many victories on what the Lord has done over this past year for people, whether you were directly affected or whether you were indirectly affected. I know every person in this room is a different person in a, in a good way. We talked about that sanctification. I know the Lord has used that flood to sanctify every single person in this room. And so we remind ourselves of what the Lord, not only personally, but also throughout history, throughout biblical and redemptive history. And that's what David does here. Uh, sin, pain, sorrow, and distraction can a lot of times blind us of, those, of what he's doing in our lives, whether currently or in the past. We can you know, uh, sometimes I find myself, you know, whenever I know the Lord's done something, I'm like, and I start thinking about it, if I'm in a, not a great spot, I'm like, uh, that, that probably wasn't the Lord. That was probably just, um, I don't know, just coincidence or just something crazy. Um, so sometimes we can argue with our own journals. Sometimes we can argue with our own testimonies. But whenever we look at what the Lord has done in history, that's undeniable. And so David does this here in verse 6. So look at verse 6 and 7. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. So what does David do right here? He points back to one of the most pivotal points in history, and he brings back a moment when the Lord worked, worked victoriously to deliver his people from Egypt's slavery. Uh, you know, if I was David, I'd be referencing Goliath almost every single psalm. Every single psalm. I mean, that, my little man syndrome would come out in full force and be like, 
I defeated a giant. But he doesn't do that here. And so while it's effective to bring up personal things in your life, we also need to, to be in the Word, to look at those times where the Lord worked, he carried out his, his covenant-keeping love in others' lives and throughout redemptive history. And so that's what he does right here. And, you know, so uh, keeping or commanding our souls, commanding our souls to bless the Lord, it's a fight. It's a, it's a fight that needs to be um, fought with consistent discipline. So not only do we recall things about the Lord that are generally, generally true, like he did in verses 3, and 3 to 5, but we learn to recall concrete truths about his work throughout redemptive history. And we see that David do that right there. And so whenever we do that, whenever we can go point out things that he's done throughout history, uh, I think it lifts that gaze of kind of that, that, that we can be blinded due to our current circumstances. That whenever, when I, again, I, I, sometimes I get frustrated with the fact that a lot of times my spiritual walk can be dictated by my circumstance, circumstances. I'm like, man, I should be past that. I should be mature past that. Doing this discipline, I think, can help lift, lift that gaze off of our current circumstance and say, you know what? I know it's hard for me to see what the Lord's doing in my life right now, but this is what he's done throughout history. Um, so I think that's, that's, that's a huge truth for us to, to pull away from what David says, uh, what David has written here in Psalm 103. Uh, so, um, so, uh, so point one is, uh, is to remind yourself of what the Lord has done. The second thing that David, uh, that David does is he holds fast to a specific truth about the Lord. So we see after reminding themselves of what God has done in history, he latches on to a specific text. So look at verse eight. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. What he's doing is here is he's quoting uh, Exodus 34, 6. And this was frequently quoted by Old Testament authors in the middle of sin or sorrow or pain. We see David do it here. Uh, Moses quoted this. Jonah, Joel, Nehemiah, they all went here for help. And so what he does is he, he says that the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and, and, and abounding in steadfast love. And then he goes and lists the implications of it, the, the implications of that verse. He says that, Look at verse 9. He will not always chide nor keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. So we see that he lists those implications that God's, because of that verse, God's anger doesn't last. That sin has been cast as far as east is, uh, is, is from the west, and that God's compa- compassion will not fail. And so we see him remind him of a, of a specific truth about the Lord, and then of also of what the Lord's done in his life, and we see where he lands, like I said at the beginning, verses 20, 21 and 22. Bless the Lord, O his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the, first, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all of his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works and all the places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, all my soul. So he, is, he has been moved to a point of saying, hey, angels, creation, come alongside and bless the Lord with me. I mean, there's been times in my life where I've been just, you know, extremely blown away by the Lord. But I haven't been there yet to where I'm calling the angels and like a rock or a piece of grass next to me to join, join with me in creation. And I think that's such a awesome place to be, and I, I, I hope to be there one day. But I think with this discipline of what he's doing on, on preaching to himself, I, I think that doing that consistently gets us there.
So that's, that's a good example that we see from David on how to preach to ourselves and how to, uh, how, how to talk to ourselves in a deep, meaningful way. There's another model of preaching to yourself uh, that I found helpful as I was preparing. It, it's out of a book. It's kind of more of a devotional. Um, but what the book talked about was that we preach the law and we preach the gospel to ourselves. When I first read that, I was like, you know, I've heard preaching the gospel to ourselves. We hear that a lot. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel to others. Preach it to yourself. But what's preach the law look like? Preach the law to yourself. And, what he, and so he starts out defining the law as God's revealed will and standard of righteousness. So the law is God's revealed will will and standard, standard of righteousness. And then, and then what he goes into, and he says the law, but he basically breaks the law down to three purposes. The law reveals what's right. The law reveals what's wrong. And the law reveals what's needed. <clears throat> so let's start with what's right. Whenever we, whenever we think about that idea of, of preaching to ourselves and preaching the law and the gospel to ourselves, we start out with the law. So, so the law revealing what's right. That's the commandments of God. And that's grace, the fact that he hasn't just left us here on our own to just try to figure out what's right and what's good in this world. But God has given us commands that whenever it comes to big picture things, he's not unclear on what those are. Um, love, your na- love your God and your neighbor, care for the poor, the fatherless, and the widow, to give generously, be kind, be hospitable, for husbands to love your wives and wives to honor your husbands, um, parents how to raise their children. So he talks about all these things that are good, that are right. Uh, so that's, that's the first thing that the law reveals. It reveals what is right. It reveals what the kingdom of God looks like, what, his, what God's will looks like. So we know what's right. Well, then the law reveals also what's wrong. And Josh has used this illustration before in that the law works like a mirror and that it re- reflects our own sinfulness back and our own failure to keep the law, to be able to do, to, uh, our failure to do what is right on our own. And so it reflects back that we can't keep God's commandments on our own, that we can't live the life in the kingdom a part of the, the, a, a part of the, the Holy Spirit's work. So we see what's right, we see what's wrong, um, which is basically the second purpose of the law is to expose our unbelief and expose our sin. And then lastly, it points to what's needed. And our need, our need is redemption. Our need is forgiveness. Our need is cleansing. And our need is restoration. So the law serves as a guide that leads us to the gospel. The law, he says, while, the law, while good and holy, is not good news. It's the bad news that makes the gospel so important. So preaching the law for ourselves breaks ourselves of our pride, leads us to humility, and calls us back to, to look to God. And so once that groundwork is, is laid, it prepares us to, for the gospel where we find our hope. So that's what the law is. And I, I thought that was, such a, that was such a simple way to lay out a pretty complex uh, idea and how to preach the law to yourself. So, so now we're prepared to, for the gospel where we find hope. And the gospel is history. It's the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Um, that the, the gospel of Jesus is Jesus is the substitute for sinners. Uh, that he is our righteousness because of our life. He is our forgiveness because of his death. And he is our victory because of, because of his resurrection. So when we preach this good news to ourselves, we are, we are denying ourselves and resting in the grace of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. You know, I think, about, I think about applying these truths on a consistent basis. Man, I'm sometimes like, what, you know, what am I doing? Like, yeah, there's, this, there's, there's, there's so much 
there's so much of an abundant life that I think I'm missing on whenever I miss out on doing this stuff. Um, so I think it's just vastly, vastly important. Um, so we preach the law and the gospel together. And we're, we are impacted by this whenever it's regular and it's consistent discipline. You know, it's, it's, it's obviously good to do these whenever you're in a time of distress, whenever you're in a time of need. Um, but the true impact comes whenever this is a, true, a, a consistent discipline in our lives. Uh, we're able to be honest about our motives. We're able to be honest about our struggles and our needs. And we're able to talk to ourselves deeply and communicate that these truths that we hear so often um, from, from Josh up here, our podcast that we listen to. Um, it's such an important discipline that I think I, I know I myself miss out on. I'll listen to something. I'll say, yeah, that's good. Maybe I can apply a thing or two at, going forward. But taking that, kind of searching myself deeply and applying and preaching that to myself, um, it's something I miss, miss out on. And there's a number of reasons why this is important. Obviously, um, to, to fulfill that abundant life that Jesus talks about that's available to us. Uh, but in order to effectively communicate the gospel to others, I think we've got to effectively communicate it to ourselves. Uh, you know, I'm just... Uh, you know, I've been I've been in a spot a lot, in a, in a point of prayer where I just I, I desire growth in our church. Um, that's not from a uh, you know I've prayed through my motives. That sometimes it was bad motives, sometimes it's good motives. Uh, I'm in a spot to where man, I, I think I think there's a lot of good things going on going on in a lot of different churches. And you know, we're, we've, we're, in our community groups, we've been getting more out focused on our communities and outreach. And man, whenever we learn to effectively communicate the gospel to ourselves so that we can also communicate it to others, I think that's whenever this room, that, that's part of seeing this room grow. Uh, again, people bash numbers all the time. We don't want to grow just for the numbers. But man, that's, that's, a, that's a sign of a lot of healthy things going on in our personal lives that, that we are communicating the gospel to others. And if they don't have somewhere that, where that gospel can be brought to them, great. Come to Living Hope Fellowship. Because we... Uh, we're not perfect. We're, we're looking to get to improve. But man, I think we've got some good things to offer for people that are, in, that, that, that are hungry for Jesus. Uh, so that's it. Um, I think I talked really fast. I don't have a watch up here. Uh, but what I want to do now is I want to practice this, this discipline. I want to take a, a moment to command our souls to bless the Lord. And I want to walk through David's example that he gives us in Psalm 103. Uh, so band, y'all can come on up um, as, I, as I kind of walk through this. And uh, so let me, I'll give a little, uh, our, our usual directions during, uh, during our response time. But this is a response time that you feel the freedom to respond how you want. We like to have these times to kind of digest what we, what we talked about up here, if the Lord's working your, in your heart. I talk fast, so you might need some time to kind of be like, all right, what did he say? Um, but, uh, but use this time. Um, and again, I'm going to walk us through, but Chase is going to be up here serving communion. Uh, we're going to, after I walk through this time, uh, after I walk through this time of commanding our souls, yeah, Chase, you can come on up. Um, I'm going to close us out in prayer, and the table will be open. Um, but use this time uh, responsibly. Use this time to, uh, to start, if, if you haven't practiced on preaching yourself or if it's a new concept, um, use this time to do that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk us through those, those three simple things that David did. And uh, so if everybody can bow their heads and close their eyes, um, this is a time where we command our souls to bless the Lord. And I like, I like that idea of commanding our souls because 
whenever we leave this place tonight, there's a lot of things that's going to be commanding our attention. Um, there's going to be a lot of things, a, a lot of logistics, and those are, those are fine and, and, and well, but um, take this time to fight distraction and command your soul to bless the Lord.